in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello. Hi. Good, 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 good. Hey, did you see Joe Biden took a terrible tumble. Another fall. He was getting on Air Force One, and boom, down he goes like he was killed. Glad he's not dead, but uh, I told you a long time ago, Joe, take it easy. Let's see. He's fallen off a bike. He's fallen off of uh, uh, two sets of stairs. Uh, he took that weird tumble in his tub. He also got into a fight with his dog. Remember that? He got into a – he pulled the dog's tail, and they were fooling around, and Joe slipped and broke his foot. This guy is so accident prone and something even worse is going to happen. I told Joe a long time ago, slow down. Stop trying to impress everybody with your vigor. He's, uh, he's supposed to be vigorous, vigorous. And ooh, who has seen that kooky girl from Georgia? This is what it comes down to. All right. This is the person who is she's the one who decides to indict Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and the rest. Number one, Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong in Georgia, all right? It's just a total and complete farce. But this puts uh, the cherry on the cake a la mode style with the ice cream on the cake a la mode style, I should say. What's her name? Emily Coors. This is the grand jury spokesperson. I'm pretty sure she's breaking the law. You're not allowed to go on the news when you're done with your grand jury stuff, are you? Those people are supposed to operate in secrecy or discretion, and there she is. She's She looks like she's 12. She looks like she is applying to art school, like art middle school. She's 12, but she wants to go to a specialized middle school where they have a really good art program, arts and crafts. And her name is Emily. She's going on the fake news. Again, this is the Georgia grand jury that is bending over backwards to try to get Donald Trump in trouble over that phone call, which is... Totally fine. More on that in a moment. But here she is. This is what it comes down to. They tried Robert Mueller. Uh, they tried Adam Schiff. And now it's Emily Kors' turn. Cut 49, please. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president. But honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear and me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. So it sounds like that was ultimately (laughs) a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how it ended up was that and, I'd be fascinated by what he said, but do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking or just the same kind of thing we've heard? So at some point, you don't need to hear 50 people say the same thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? At some point, you kind of start to get the gist. (laughs) (laughs) You know what she also looks like, in addition to being a 12-year-old aspiring middle school arts student? Uh, Carrie. Remember the movie Carrie? When she was like, she had the power of telekinesis. She could move stuff with her head. Remember all the people were mean to her at the high school, including John Travolta, and they spilled that pig blood on her. And, oh, my goodness, what they did to Carrie. I don't blame her for uh, destroying the high school and everybody in it after what they did to her. That was one 
That was one hell of a movie. I think the worst part of the movie was when John Travolta gleefully slaughtered the pigs. And couldn't they have gotten red paint? You know what I'm talking about in that movie, Carrie? So strange. Anyway, um, Emily Coors, it, <laughs> this is the, all right, again, the grand jury four-person, foreman, four-person, and this is the this is the body that's in charge of indicting or not indicting. And what's that old adage? You can indict a ham sandwich. You can indict a ham sandwich. So I guess that would make what what is this Emily Cor- she would be the waitress in the sandwich shop. That's what she is. Uh here she is being even sillier. Cut fifty, please. Cut fifty. When it comes to there are ind- there are indictments recommended, of course. Is it yes. more than twelve people? Is it more than twenty people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Did somebody uh, record this watching TV in their living room? Stop, stop, stop. That's not a good quality, right? Did somebody cut me? Weird. Let's try another one. Uh, Because the first one sounded, uh, what's the word, professional. Let's try cut 51, please. Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's former chief of staff. What stood out to you from his testimony? Mr. Meadows didn't share very much at all and was not very willing to speak on much of anything. He asserted his rights um, under the Fifth Amendment and under uh, executive privilege, which he absolutely had the right to do. And that was pretty much that. Uh, You're damn right he had the right to do that. You don't have the right to be talking about it, though. Everybody knows the grand jury. The grand jurors are supposed to keep their mouths shut. It's incredible. And the next time I go before a grand jury, I ain't saying nothing. I'm sorry. I have no trust, no faith in these people anymore. None. And they're using everything. They'll use everything. Just like they say, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Hey. I'm all for law enforcement, but except for these woke prosecutors who have come in and totally corrupted the process, this silly little girl, silly, silly. All right. I don't think it's going to work. Hey, Donald Trump right now is in Palestine, Ohio. Did he actually get there yet? On his way. And I think that's fantastic. And he's actually showing leadership when uh, Pete Buttigieg does not want to show leadership. Uh, Joe Biden rather be in Poland and Ukraine. I've, I've been thinking about this. I've been talking to people. It actually gets down to this. Why are they not responding with a more robust uh, presence? Why? Why? What's going on? It's because Ohio is solidly a red state. That's it. And you know what? They're, this is the way they are. They're thugs. They're thugs. This is what they do. This is payback for not supporting them in November of 2020. Biden lost decisively there, decisively. It's pretty funny, though, to hear them explain why they're not going. They come up with different reasons. They know they're supposed to be there, but they know that they're a political, this is political payback, but they can't say that. So they couch it differently. Let's see here. Cut 37. This is Secretary Pete, whose career is going up in flames right now. Administration has come under some fire for its response. The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House to contact him. There were shouts of, where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last week. Uh, what's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine? 
Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. The NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board. Okay, and I guess if the Secretary of Transportation shows up with people who work for him or work for his department, that's somehow going to corrupt the department? Uh, then you've got one fouled-up department, okay? You can't show up. Bending over backwards to come up with new excuses as to why they're not leading. Uh, let's see here. Here's another guy. This is Regan is his name. If he walked in to any room in the world, nobody would know who he is, uh, except, I guess, some conference room at the EPA. He's the director of the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. He says he can't go to East Palestine. He couldn't go earlier because... Uh, He'd be recognized and he would need too much security, you know, like a like a rock star, like Bono or somebody like that. He needs a mega, mega entourage. And that would well, listen to him. Cut 38. Sir, what what took so long? Well, you know, I have to say I'm thankful for the emergency responders, including my EPA staff that were on the ground hours after the trail derailment and have been there since. I, I think we have to be responsible here and understand when you bring in a senior official, especially at the cabinet level, you divert or pull away resources from the emergency response, uh, from the state police and the like. You di- divert first responders so they can protect Michael Regan because so many people would be wanting to touch and grab and talk to Michael Regan. Who the hell is Michael Regan? These bureaucrats. He's a bureaucrat. Calm down, cabinet level. Most people can't name anyone in the cabinet. Anyone. I'll take a stab at it. Uh, nah, I give up. No, people can. Some people can. It doesn't matter. You guys are not household name famous. Hey, who's the secretary of HUD? Housing and Urban Development. Yeah, get back to me on that one. All right, Mr. Regan, Environmental Protection Agency Director. Well... Donald Trump is going because you know what? It's not just about, um, I heard some people say, well, you know, they're just going for a photo op. He, believe it or not, photos are part of the job and photos actually can do a lot of good. It sends the signal to the world and to the bureaucracy that this matters. Because if Buttigieg is blowing it off, if the president is blowing it off, those frontline workers who are on the, on the scene within hours, you know, it's the same talking points. They get the message as well. Work hard or don't work hard. Anyway, Trump is going there. It's a beautiful thing because he's a leader. There's more to this than, um, management, administration. That's part of it, but it's also leadership and showing people that you care. It's just, uh, you know, this is the, what's his name? The, the CEO of the railroad. He's afraid of the people there. He wouldn't go to a town hall meeting because he was afraid. Now he's drinking as much, he's drinking so much water. He's going to kill him. Cut 39. If East Palestine was your home, would you have come back? Would you bring your children back right now? Yes. Yes. I've come back multiple times. I'm drinking the water here. I've drank in the water. This is a CEO? <laughs> Sorry, drank in the water? Well, um, like Obama. Did he drink the water? I've drank in the water. Who remembers Christine Todd Whitman when she showed up on uh, September 13th to say, I breathe the air. It's fine, everybody. No problem. Cut 40.
No asbestos was in there, is in those buildings. Lead is in those buildings. There are the, the VOCs. However, the concentrations are such that they don't pose a health hazard. We're going to make sure everybody's safe. Um, and about six years later, she had to apologize. She was wrong. Thousands of people died who uh, were assured by her and the government that things were okay, and they weren't. And now we are very skeptical and understandably so. I heard, I'm going to listen to these two people, a chemist and a professor. They seem pretty apolitical, pretty much uh, driven by their view of the science. I hate when people say, trust the science, the science, as if scientists all agree. They don't. They're not supposed to. They come up with different methods, reveal, reveal different results. But we got two people here. Two people. I think you err on the side of caution. Cut 41. Bottom line, would you move back to East Palestine if you were living there? I have two little boys. I would not. Okay. How about you? Not yet. Not until there's more testing. All right. Would you go with those people or the boss of the railroad company? Let me hear him one more time. Cut 39. If East Palestine was your home, would you have come back? Would you bring your children back right now? Yes. Yes, I've come back multiple times. I'm drinking the water here. Yeah, I, uh, yes, yes. You can tell he's kind of like, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, I've drank in the water here. I saw a bunch of them in the kitchen. They weren't exactly chugging the water, all right? They were sniffing it. They were swirling it in their glasses, holding on to it, you know, like at an awkward cocktail party, nursing a beer, nursing the drink. They weren't, they were, and it's not just, oh, look at this. I took a drink and I'm not dead. It's the sustained exposure uh, consuming of this very questionable water, liquid. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust a damn, you know, Ronald Reagan, (laughs) these very wise words, very wise indeed. Cut 42, please. Cut 42. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) Damn straight. Damn straight. But at least in the olden days, they used to try. They're not even showing up anymore. Be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I don't know. Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina. He wants to be president. Is he going to run? It looks like he might. I think it's a big mistake. Uh, he's got a big career in front of him. Look, it's Trump's. This is Trump's. Stay the hell out of the way. Uh, I, I, the conventional wisdom says, oh, the more people who run, it helps him more. I don't, uh, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, what's right is right. And, uh, this guy, he deserves it. He's gone through so much. And the whole thing about DeSantis or these others being Trump, but without the baggage, like we read the other day from the David Zane guy, uh, that's not true. And uh, the moment these guys declare, <laughs> they'll have baggage, either real baggage or made up by the media. But there will be plenty of uh, of baggage. All right. So uh, Trump is on his way there. And uh, his statement yesterday on the... The reality of uh, Ukraine, uh, Joe Biden, Putin, and what's happening, so powerful, uh, so strong, and so clear-cut. You ready? Cut 11, please. Cut 11. 
danger that it's ever been in because of a word known as nuclear, nuclear, nuclear is so devastating that we don't even want to talk about it. And that was a word that was never supposed to be mentioned. You have two N-words, neither of which should ever be mentioned. I said that once. I said, oh, what a terrible thing to say. No, you have two N-words. You know what the one is, but the other is the nuclear word. It's okay. supposed to ever be mentioned. Ever, ever, ever. It's mentioned every single day now. Every single day they talk about, will this end up in nuclear war? We're on the precipice of a disaster, the likes of which this world has never seen. This will make World War I and World War II like baby stuff. He's, he's right. I think he was doing some musing there as well. Baby stuff. Can you imagine that? It is true, though. All right, here he is again. This is a bit more organized and uh, forceful. Cut 34. World War Three has never been closer than it is right now. We need to clean house of all of the warmongers and America last globalists and the deep state, the Pentagon, the State Department, and the national security industrial complex. One of the reasons I was the only president in generations who didn't start a war is that I was the only president who rejected the catastrophic advice of many of Washington's generals, bureaucrats, and the so-called diplomats who only know how to get us into conflict, but they don't know how to get us out. For decades, we've had the very same people, such as Victoria Nuland and many others just like her, obsessed with pushing Ukraine toward NATO, not to mention the State Department support for uprisings in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, and I like it, naming names. But the swamp is uh, more fired up than ever to stop Trump. I don't think it's going to work. Many thanks. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, Joe Biden took a uh, pretty bad fall getting onto Air Force One during this big European vacation of his. And uh, sure enough, you can't see it anywhere. you got to go, <laughs> and social media is doing its best to keep it buried. I think it's kind of a big deal. doesn't happen too often. Remember when it happened to Gerald Ford? Gerald Ford was one of the most athletic presidents we've ever had. Uh, it was a champion football player. He kept in shape. He worked out. He, he at a time when like not a lot of folks were doing that. He was, uh, you know, lifting weights in the White House, and he was very fitness oriented. And he was overseas. I think it was Belgium or uh, maybe Canada. Anyway, he the, the tarmac was wet, and he slipped. He slipped on some water, and then remember, he became like the butt of every joke told between 1975 and 1977. Uh, that he was like this big giant klutz, and who was that guy? Chevy Chase would make fun of him on uh, Saturday Night Live just by falling down. And that was the joke. Ha <laughs> ha! And he he made no effort to even look or sound like Gerald Ford. Whatever happened to Chevy Chase? He was so cool at one point. Um, so Joe Biden just took a spectacularly bad fall. Anytime an eighty-year-old falls, it's a near-death experience. Sorry. But it kind of is. It's a major deal. And nobody, nobody is showing it. Fox News is not showing it. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, huh? How about that? Fox News. 
Yeah, I guess they had to call up the billionaire owners, and uh, they've got their, okay, uh, go easy on Joe for the time being. Uh, we're going to tell you what to do next. Uh, that place, oh, boy. Um, I'm even annoyed, well, not with Tucker personally, because I like Tucker, and I like his product. I like what he's uh, what he stands for. Hey, I could see myself voting for Tucker someday if he runs for president. Not against Trump, but someday I could easily see um, I could easily see him as president, and I could easily see myself voting for him, but I don't like this at all. Uh, Speaker McCarthy, who seems to think that Ashley Byrd's murder was somehow justified, yeah, he said the cop was doing his job, has turned over 40,000 hours of footage, security camera footage, to uh, Tucker and his team. Tucker and his team to look at the 40,000 hours, and I, I hear they've been working on it for days. Well, uh, 40,000, how big could his team be? I bet he has no 10 producers, max 20. 20 people looking at 40,000 hours of stuff. How much is that? It's like hundreds of hours. You know what you needed to do is turn it over to the American people. We'd find the, we'd find the important stuff in a nanosecond crowdsource it to a few hundred million people and we'll find the good stuff or speaker mccarthy don't you have investigators congressional investigators you got a huge staff in addition to the members you got all kinds of people who could have done that no you just lazily turn it over to tucker uh what about the defense attorneys have they seen it all we believe those of us who think that the january 6th thing was a bit of a farce and a bit of a hoax and uh, possibly a false flag operation. We think it's going to be exculpatory. It's going to help uh, January 6th defendants. So many of them sitting in jail who didn't hurt anybody, who didn't break anything. Um, we need to see this stuff. It's unbelievable. I thought, yeah, he actually said defiantly that he was going to release it. He was going to, once he became speaker. Well, he's going to delegate it to Tucker Carlson. Again, Tucker Carlson's great guy, great journalist. I like that guy a lot, but he's not a branch of government. And, you know, it's one thing to leak it to a newspaper or leak it to a TV station, and then they put it on TV right that night, right? They put they, they publish it right away, and then everybody gets it. No, this is a big, big, big story. They gave it to him. Everybody knows he has it, and we got to wait. We gotta wait while their team does the work and then we gotta tune into the Tucker Carlson show. Now, I'm sorry, at eight o'clock, I watch Eric Bowling. He's a great guy, Tucker, and I watch his clips and he's, he's a brilliant and I do like him. And, um, hey, he was on this show once talking about his, uh, fantastic book. And I think he's got a lot to offer, but this is bigger than Tucker Carlson. It's bigger than anybody. We own that footage. We own it. And damn it, I'm particularly annoyed. I could be insulted if I wanted to, but I'm not going to be. I have been the one, one of them, raising the questions. Very few have. And I'll, granted, Tucker's been one of them, and he did an amazing documentary about this whole thing, the false flag operation of January 6th. Uh, but some of the stuff that I have uh, been focusing on, number one, who was the little cop who let everybody in? Why were those cops just standing there allowing everybody in? Uh, who were the three cops, and why did they walk away just seconds before Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. And instead of ducking to avoid Michael Byrd's bullet, he could have been pulling Ashley Babbitt back. He could have been arresting Ashley Babbitt if she was such a threat. 
They didn't do anything to stop her. Were they? Did they have an order to shoot somebody so they could call it a deadly insurrection? I don't even like the word insurrection, but when you got somebody dead, then you can call it a deadly insurrection. Makes it seem even worse, right, than just a plain old insurrection. Something's really wrong here. I need to see that stuff. You need to see that stuff. And guess what? We own it. Fox. Hey, you know what Fox is going to do? Uh, when Jimmy Carter dies, and I hope that doesn't happen until uh, another 20 years. And who knows? He can make it through. Miracles happen. He's 98 years old. People have lived to be 120, 110, 115. He may make it through. But if he should die, they will be the first ones out with the over-the-top obituaries. And I understand when somebody dies, you know, you got to be, you got to be respectful. But he's not dead yet. And I got to remind everybody what a horrible, horrible egomaniac president he was. He was crazy. He was absolutely nuts. Don't fall for the peanut farmer. I'm just folks routine. This guy almost damn near ruined the country. Is a campaign commercial for Ronald Reagan. I mean, thank God. I guess you couldn't have Ronald Reagan if you didn't have Jimmy Carter. Here's a little bit of the ego, actually, of Jimmy Carter. All right. It's a, a, an address to the nation. The famous Malay's speech. I told we played a portion of this the other day where he made everybody, including me, feel bad. Like I had just behaved really badly. Made us all feel ashamed. But he made himself feel pretty good right out of the gate. He, uh, he celebrated. Um, uh, tonight's a very important night for me. <laughs> uh, cut 47, please. Good evening. This is a special night for me. Exactly three years ago, on July 15th, 1976, I accepted the nomination of my party to run for president of the United States. <laughs> Just, that's your business. Who cares? The third, wait, what was it again? The third anniversary of the Democrats nominating him to be president. By this time, they were regretting that big time. They, they would, oh, why didn't we give it to Ted Kennedy? Why didn't we give it to, uh, Mo Udall? Why didn't we give it to, uh, who, who were the other big fish in 1975, 76? Anybody. Uh, Nelson Rockefeller? No, he was a Republican. Uh, I don't know. Mo Udall. Mo Udall. He was actually a thing back then. All right. Uh, let's try Jim. A- State driving his truck. What's up? Go out, Greg. I think Biden went to Ukraine because Ukraine wasn't kicking back his money. All that money he's sending over there, they're totally corrupt over there. It's horrible what's going on there, but the money we're sending there is insane. And all these general, retired generals, all they say is, oh, send money, send everything to Ukraine. I think they're getting paid off to send money to Ukraine. The Ukraine, you know, it's a horrible thing, but honestly, the people have heard and they were a powerful country, and we were getting attacked by Canada, they wouldn't give us a penny. They wouldn't give us a penny. It's horrible what's going on there, but the money we're sitting there is ridiculous. Hey, I'll tell you something else. I don't know if you saw my show, but we are boxing Putin in to a point that it's actually dangerous for for us. Now, uh, Joe sounds like a real tough guy here. Let's see here. Cut three, please. Cut three. When President Putin ordered his tanks to roll in Ukraine, he thought... We would roll over. He was wrong. The Ukrainian people are too brave. America, Europe, a coalition of nations from the Atlantic to the Pacific 
we were too unified. Democracy was too strong. Instead of an easy victory, he perceived and predicted. Putin left with burnout tanks and Russia's forces in delay and dis in disarray. He thought he'd get the Findalization of NATO. Instead, he got the NATOization of Finland. Ah. And then there's this. Uh, a year prior, what was Joe? What's such a tough guy now? If something was going on in January of 2022, it's almost like he wanted Putin to invade. Cut 28, please. Cut 28, January of last year. And I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. Has to do something. Has to do something. He can't just sit there. Guess, guess he's got to invade. It's my guess. And now it's the worst thing that ever happened in the world. Let's see here. Oh. But on the upside, yeah, NATO, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization is united. Phew. I was really worried about the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, weren't you? Cut 23. We would, would we, the, all of our allies, would be united or divided? We would be strong. We would be united. He thought NATO would fracture and divide. Instead, NATO is more united and more unified than ever, than ever before. Wow. Hey, can you name this tune? Ready? Cut 24. Yeah. Ring a bell? Hey, Jim, what song was that? I, I don't know, Greg. Oh, I, how can you not know the national anthem for NATO? Oh, I'm, The I'm North sorry. Atlantic oh, Treaty Organization has its own song, and it's uh it's quite dreary, isn't it? Cut 24. Yep, that's it. Would you die for that anthem? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Jim, how is everything in the truck? Good. We're in a snowstorm right now. I heard that Zulinski's wife reportedly was... Yeah, I know. Went to Paris and bought all that stuff. Look, I don't know what's true. I saw that, too. She went on a shopping spree. I don't know. Hey, you send uh, $200 billion. It's not all to another country where there's corruption all over the place. It's not all going to go for uh, bullets and Kevlar vests. We know that. We know that. Thanks, Jim. Uh, with that, oh, one more every day, of course. Sandra, welcome back. Welcome back to you, too. Um, you know, I was reading about, well, actually, I heard last night on transgenders. Um, they just um, made the first state of the country to ban the surgeries for children under 19, Arkansas and Utah as well, and many other states are following. And 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 you know. Wait wait wait, that, wait 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 wait. What did Arkansas do? Okay, they are the first state in the country to ban transgender surgeries and all that hormonal stuff and everything related to that. Yeah. So if you try, if that country will not allow it. It's called the Safe Act. And um, then Utah is going to do it as well. And well, the governor other- over there is a jerk uh, in Utah, and he's a bit of a rhino, and he's he's a real uh, trans activist. So I don't know about what's going to happen in Utah. I know that people like John Stewart and other notable liberals are all going to Arkansas because it's closer to Utah, uh, closer to New York than Utah, to go in that, down there and make fun of everybody, make fun of the state officials who want to protect children. It's funny, John John Stewart, who made fun of transgenders every other joke for about three years, he was making fun of transgender people. 
and now he's become this trans rights activist. It's it's quite something to watch. Uh, but he did get another show on Apple TV. All right, anything else happening? Well, I wanted to tell you about, you know, these children, when they get the surgery, at first they're really excited about his or her new newness, but then they become to realize later on that it's a, tr- it's a very big mistake and often irreversible. So then I went to my husband who... Is a, he's, he does plastic surgery, or he did. And, and I said, Michael, is it true that it's irreversible? He said, well, it is reversible. But then he showed me pictures, not of trans people, but of people who had, um, uh, what's that disease where you, uh, I forgot the name of it. Um, well, anyway, he had to repair parts of the body. Like hey, hold that. on a second. I met your husband once. He's a plastic surgeon? Yeah, he he did he did sir. That's what he did all his life. But he, he yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, I would have yeah. you should have introduced him as this is my husband, Doctor uh, Michael. I uh, yeah, he was, uh, this is Mikey. You, I think you. Yeah, <laughs> this is. Like, <laughs> well, I, I, all right, all right. Well, that's very yeah. impressive that he did that. Is he talking? Did he want to show you pictures of hermaphrodites? Is that what he wanted to show you? Oh, he showed me pictures of two men who had something happened down there and he and and it's it's not an easy surgery to do you have to take the flaps on the side of your thighs and then repair the other part it it came out okay but it will never work the same and these kids have to know that that okay you do this you have a big price to pay if you change your mind because it's never going to be the same again so it is reversible but not going to be the same. Hey, let's face it. There's a lot of there are a lot of perverts out there. There really are who get off on even just talking this issue up and encouraging kids to undergo it. All right. Seriously, I am a live and let live guy after 18. I mean, I do know the perils of living certain lifestyles and that kind of thing. But at 18 and up, you have at it. All right. You're free to make your own mistakes. Stay the hell away from our kids. That's obvious, or at least it should be. Sandra, thank you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, we don't wait around the losing sleep over who the Secretary of Transportation is, but I am quite frankly thrilled that this fraud has been exposed. Uh, I knew it for a long time. It's the only good thing to come so far from this train debacle disaster in Ohio. Uh, this guy is, uh, is now, it's, there's no secret. Everybody knows, everybody can see it, that he is, uh, just an ambitious, uh, phony in it for himself. Uh, now we have some footage actually that was taken on the sidewalk. So he went on, he did 25 interviews yesterday from Washington, D.C. Every, every interview they asked him, why aren't you there? Why aren't you there? Why aren't you there? He could have just gone there. Uh, and at this point, it's like a pride thing with him, or I don't know, he's been ordered not to go. There is a, the number one train disaster in the past 10 years, and the Secretary of Transportation doesn't want to go. Uh, so he's, some reporter sees him on the street from the Daily Caller, I think, and she does a good job. Hey, this is America. You're allowed to do it with public officials. So she goes up to him, asks him a bunch of questions. He's, uh, you can tell he's kind of miffed, but you know, he's, he's going with it. Up until the end, and he does something very creepy. Very creepy. Go ahead. Secretary, what do you have to say? Hi, how are you? Jenny's here at the Daily Caller News Foundation. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now 
Well, I've referred to about a dozen interviews I've given today, and uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, if you reach out to progress on as well, I can have that conversation with you. Just walk you don't have a message here. for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Do you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'll talk thank you. Can I get a photo of you? He wanted a, a photo of the person who was asking him totally legitimate questions. The only good news in this train debacle, the exposure. <laughs> anyway, uh, why would he want that? Why would he want the, her picture? So he could make a federal case out of it. So we could go turn her into uh, the transportation cops. And say, I was uh, followed down the street. What would he say? I don't know. He's going to try to say something. That's what they do. That's what the left does. They're trying to criminalize things, walking down the street, asking somebody questions, uh, getting a second opinion, not wearing a mask where one is not necessary, not taking a, an experimental vaccine. These are things we're allowed to do in America. The left, they want to deprive us. This is a really creepy thing. Anyway, it is the one beautiful thing about this uh this whole tragedy that this guy has been exposed. Everybody, I knew it all the way back when he kept bragging about his time in the military. He was not in the military. It is a uh, backdoor shortcut he took so he could brag about going to Afghanistan wearing a uniform. He never went to boot camp. He never went to officer candidate school. He never, he never had to be tested to see if he had what it took to be in the armed forces he signed some paperwork he literally was sworn in at a bob's big boy you know those uh, diners that they have in the midwest that, that that's how he became an officer in the navy and then walked around for two years telling everybody i'm an officer in the navy i'm an officer in the navy and he talked about his time in a cubicle in afghanistan more than john mccain talked about his time as a pow in vietnam i counted them once he talked about it five times more than John McCain, and the fake news ate it up. That and his gayness, that's really what made the difference for him. Bye, Pete! In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh... Am I seeing things? Wait a second. So I just saw Joe Biden fall on the stairs on Fox News. And they didn't even mention anything about it. Did that just happen? I got to go back. There's there. There can't be. It could not have been not mentioned. Maybe it wasn't. I got to tell you, this footage is hard to find right now. Try to find social media. It's being suppressed. Can't show our dear leader in uh, distress, right? We can't have that. Uh, it's like FDR. You know, everybody understood. You can't show them in a wheelchair. Well, times have changed. <laughs> Everything can be scrutinized. What the hell just happened? All right, I can't believe that there could be a mistake here. Let's let's see. But he just fell down the god darn stairs. He's the president. Every little thing counts, right? When he goes to the damned ice cream store, that's news. 
If it's news when he goes to the ice cream store, it's news when he falls down the steps. An 80-year-old man fell down the steps. How do we... I want to go to the top of that on Fox. I can't... It must be a mistake here. Maybe we missed it. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, ooh, here's something. Who remembers Catherine Craig, reporter at NBC? Remember Catherine Craig? She did a really good job. Uh, worked mornings. Very, very hard worker. Would get to work at like 1.30 in the morning, get done with work at about noon. This is the reporter they sent around for breaking news. You know, uh, shooting here, a water main break. Not glamorous work. Not glamorous work at all. Um, but necessary. Well, to a certain extent. It's work, all right? She died. She just dropped dead. Uh, this is a couple of years ago. It's before it's before COVID, but she drops dead. Now, she was in her late 40s, mother of, I think, three children, and just kind of drops dead. And it was very strange, also very strange that it was barely mentioned by the media. Didn't really receive all that much attention. And I thought immediately back to Lisa Caligrassi. Do you know who she is? Remember her? She was at Channel 7. Similar uh, type job. Breaking news, morning reporter. Water main breaks, accidents, um, you know, weird stuff happening in the morning. She would be there. And it was one of those jobs. You got there at 1.30 in the morning and you left at noon, 1 o'clock. And they'd have, they'd, they'd, he'd be flung all around the tri-state area, you know, go out to Riverhead one morning and then you're in Trenton the next morning. It was crazy schedule and very, very, very hard job. She dropped dead one day on the job. Just dropped dead. Late forties, mother of, I believe, two children gone. Now they're both working shift work. Shift work. You familiar with shift work? Of course you are. Shift work. Overnight work, basically. If you look it up on the CDC website, shift work is a major health risk. Makes you susceptible to all kinds of things. It's nicknamed the graveyard shift for a reason. It can kill you. It can kill you. And I believe it killed these two women. And a lot of other people feel the same way. And one of their, I think, uh, the parent confronted uh, management and said, you guys killed my daughter with this crazy shift. It's one thing, all right, to work overnights, but these women, I think, had unique pressures. Number one, mothers. That's That's a lot. Number two, the crazy shift. Number three, television. Television. So... There is a premium on women, especially an emphasis on appearance, right? On looks. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, and I actually don't think it's even necessary. I don't even, I don't care what you look like. And I don't think the viewer does either. But management, they get really caught up in that. What do they look like? And it gives, uh, it gives executives an opportunity to have lunch with 30 something, 20 something girls and talk about appearance and stuff like that. Um, that happens. That's been happening. It just ha- it just happens. I don't think it's germane what anybody looks like. It's the story. Can you tell the story? Can you? Uh, are you clear? Can you be understood? 
Do you know New York? All these things are more important, in my opinion, than appearance. But they had that to deal with as well. To work the overnight shift as a news reporter is particularly challenging also in that if you complain or if you ask for another shift, there are about 80,000 other people who would take the job in a, in a heartbeat. If you work at the post office, oh, by the way, you're protected. There are a lot of things that protect those jobs. Strong unions, civil service, and, you know, it's interesting also about TV jobs. Uh, yeah, most jobs, if you leave it for a little while, someone's going to replace, everybody's replaceable. But for a little while, oh gosh, you know, John's on vacation. We got to wait till he gets back to pick this up. These other things, they just put somebody else right in there. So they felt, and they're also in the unique position. They're college educated. They're making a certain amount of money. After a bit period of time, your only skill is in the marketplace, you know, showing up at a water main break and telling people what it's all about. That is a skill, but it's very singular. All right. There are not too many places that will pay you to talk about water main breaks at 3.30 in the morning. So what am I saying here? Why do I bring all this up? I feel like the industry did not bring it up, did not talk about it sufficiently, because when those two women died, the way they died, the manner they died, just dropping dead, possible a brain aneurysm, we're not sure. That shift, that that occupation became one of the most hazardous occupations in the country. If you add up all the hours, all the people who were doing it, it's very, very small. For two women, late 40s, drop dead, it's like the Concorde. Remember the Concorde, the SST? It crashed in the year 2000 in France. And when that, when it crashed overnight, it became the deadliest plane that ever flew almost because it flew so infrequently. One crash, the mishap rate was insanely high. It's based, mishap rates are based on 100,000 hours flown and the rate was just off the charts compared to other airplanes with that one mishap. And it's like there are only so many people doing that kind of work. So many college-educated women with children. Nurses, you guys got to put up with this a lot as well. I know. But one thing about being a nurse, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you do try to get another shift, sooner or later you'll be able to get another shift. They're not going to say you work the midnight shift or else. Um, or maybe this guy, maybe, maybe I think they should divide it up. Nobody works that crazy shift more than six weeks. And then you give it to somebody else because it's killing people. It's literally, and yeah, nurses, postal workers, you name it, and radio people, everybody. It's killing people. You gotta, you gotta spread that out. It's got to be discussed. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Bring in the experts and tell me I'm wrong. I'm just going to the CDC website and reading what it says. That shift work can kill people. Shift work. And Catherine Craig and Lisa Caligrassi, you know, there were nice little write-ups in the Daily News and the New York Post, but nobody really connected the dots. It's interesting. Um, It's interesting. Very, they'll probably get little sympathy because they're on television. Oh my goodness gracious, they're on television. They could find another job. Actually, they can't. You go in, actually, you can't. And I know that's not potentially every, everybody, everybody's got problems, but I think this is lethal. And, uh, 
I'll do something on it tonight, and I think I got to put it down on paper. This is uh, maybe it's a research paper, maybe it's something. Uh, but I think that there are only a handful of stations in the country, sixty or so. Hey, oh by the way, we'll find out about the water main break anyway. When's the last time you turned on the news and? Uh, you know, you see these people, they throw them out there at 5 in the morning standing in front of the Board of Education or standing in front of some library where they ban some book, and it's a controversy. Controversy, But it's 5 in the morning and nobody is there. But some lazy news director says, well, we got to put them somewhere. Let's put them outside on the street in front of some dark building and let's pretend it's news. Uh, this is kind of my, this is a, Passion project of mine, if you will. And I think I should, I think there's something to be done here. Um, hey, Don Lemon is back on TV. I have, uh, I, I can't even remember what he said. That was so controversial. That was so terrible. Was it so terrible? I, I see Candace Owens. Okay. So she, he said that Nikki Haley is Pastor Prime. Candace Owens says, <laughs> that's like saying water is wet. It's not such a big deal. I tend to agree. It's just people say things. Gosh, I'm not a fan of Mitt Romney anymore, but Mitt Romney said something very wise once. America, unfortunately, is not a country about what you do. It's a country about what you say. Just if you say the right thing, you're good. If you say the wrong thing, you're terrible. What about doing the right thing, huh? Doing something. Did he do the wrong thing or did he say the wrong thing? And I think there's a big difference. Mike and Wayne, yeah, welcome back. Hello. Uh, never mind then, and don't use curse words. Dennis in Boundbrook, New Jersey, hi. Yeah, good afternoon, Greg. Your opinion. My projection is that with everything that's going on based on your conversation with Sandra, in 10 to 15 years, when children are born, parents will be given the option of deciding at birth, do you want to raise the kid as a boy or a girl? Do you think that's possible down the road, the I way think, we're going? I think that's happening right now. I think that's happening right now. It's happened before, oh, by the way. I think General MacArthur. You remember Douglas MacArthur? Do you know uh, his parents really wanted a girl, and they dressed him as a girl for the first couple of years? Douglas MacArthur, the general, they dressed Douglas MacArthur as a girl. Anyway, um, yeah, anything's possible, absolutely. But uh, maybe this thing will peter out. Maybe we'll all move on to something else. I don't know. Or maybe biology will win, and boys will be boys and girls will be girls. That's my hope. Anyway, Dennis, uh, what else? Greg, Greg, tell me this. Why hasn't the Catholic Church spoken out about this? Why haven't they condemned this transgenderism? Is this the plan God had made? In other words, I'm making boys, I'm making girls, and you can uh, you can override my decision? Uh, number one, yeah, look, I don't know what the Catholic Church has said about it or not said about it. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. They may have said a lot. You know, I can, like, did they come and knock on your door, Dennis, and tell you, hey, this is how we feel? I do, you could also make the case, I don't make it anymore, but at one point I did, that this is all hype, that this is, you know, way too much attention for a for an issue that, you know, it's a culture war issue. I don't I don't agree with that. I think this is a real threat. So, Dennis, I don't know. Go to the church and ask him about it. Uh, I I don't know. There's a lot of things the church can talk about, and uh, I don't know if this is one of them, and I'm sure it should be condemned. 
You know the Pope. I don't want to say anything bad about the Pope. I think, quite frankly, it's illegal for me to say something bad about the Pope. But uh, this is a woke Pope. You know about that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I thanks, Dennis. Uh, John is in on the phone from Massapequa. One more. Hey, doing great. Good. I think uh, Joe Biden wants to get us into a war, and I think it's going to happen. And the way it's going to happen is that when Xi goes to Russia next month, he's going to be telling Putin when they're going to go to Taiwan. That's number one. And I think a missile is going to go into Poland by mistake. And I think NATO, I think Joe wants a war only because of the corruption of him and his son. His whole entire family will be dismissed because of the war. Everybody's going to get involved in this, and they're going to forget about Joe Biden and his corruption. And that's you can write that down. You I'm going to write it down, Nostradamus. You even know when that missile is going to come from Poland or into Poland. Look, you're on to something, man. You are. Uh, and wars have been started for very silly reasons. I mean, George W. Bush, I'm firmly, con- I'm totally convinced it was a weird father-son dynamic thing. He wanted to be tougher than the old man. All right. The old man was called the wimp. He never wanted to be called the wimp. So he, he was going to walk around with his arms spread out a little bit, have that swagger, go in all in on Texas. You know, I mean, go all in, not just eat pork rinds, but actually, you know, re- get a cowboy hat and a ranch. I mean, go all in on that crap. It's not crap if you, if you lived it, if it's genuine, but if you adopt it, if you pretend, Anyway, you know how I feel about W. Yeah, I think you're on to something. I could totally see that happening. Wars start. All wars are, some wars are worse than others. And usually there's a very sinister uh, cause that they don't tell you about. Thanks, John. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man, Tim Scott, what are you doing? Republican of South Carolina, United States Senator. Uh, he's going. He's been in politics his whole life, by the way. And he wants to be president. Enough people have been kind of propping him up and encouraging him him. I see him as a pretty run-of-the-mill senator. I, not unlikable, but is he really that outstanding? I don't know. I think a big part of it is racial, uh, the racial factor. Uh, identity politics, he happens to be black. And now I'm seeing he's in Iowa on, get this, a listening tour. He's on a listening tour. A listening tour. You haven't figured it out after all these years what you want to do as president. Now is the time you're going to listen. 
the pri- the primary is in less than a year. The caucus is in January. You're going to listen to find out what's on the voters' minds now. You know who did not go on a listening tour? <laughs> uh, Donald Trump. He did not go on a listening tour on June 16, 2015. Uh, time is up. At that point, you are a Tim Scott. You're a full grown man. You've been around for a long time. Tell us what you're going to do for the people. You want to listen to the people. Oh, Donald Trump had been listening to the people his entire life. All right. He knew. He knew at that point. You don't start listening on the eve of a campaign. This is just a shtick. This is just a gimmick. This is just a halfway point. This is a way you can run for president without officially run for president, I guess. This is a way you can raise money. I don't know. But it just it sounds bad to me. This is what Hillary Clinton did. Remember that? She's on a listening tour. A listening tour. How about a speaking tour? I'm going to tell you what you're, I'm going to do for you. That's what you, that should be your attitude. Tim Scott, what a disappointment. Uh, then again, he could be vice president someday. So, uh, I have learned to make peace with my political, uh, I don't want to call him an enemy, but I'm not impressed. Someday I may have to, uh, be on his good side though. Hey, Rudy Giuliani is in East Palestine right now. He joins me when we come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Is he on? We got the mayor? How about this? Mayor Giuliani joins us. He's uh, in Ohio, very close to East Palestine, if not in East Palestine. Uh, mayor Giuliani, how are you? What are you doing there? Well, we're going to meet with the mayor tomorrow morning uh, at 9 o'clock and with some of the other public officials. They wanted to spend a few hours talking about emergency management and some advice on how to handle things. Uh, seemed to me that it was just a too wonderful uh, thing to do to, for, for great people to, to turn it down and got to see a little of the, the a reaction of the president being here, which has been just exactly what these people need. I don't, I mean, among other things, I, I don't think these people like Biden and, and, uh, Mayor Pipsqueak, understand morale. You know, um, uh, the, 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 there's the, more to it than just like an administrative bureaucratic response. It's leadership. It's yeah, leadership, yeah. which you, more than anybody, you really understand. It's you got to be there. And there's a and that's part of it. It's not just a photo op. It means something. You know, the first time I went to see a firefighter, and I had to tell the family that he, he died. It was like I mayor about a month and a half. And I went with Father Judge, and I had never done it before, Greg. And I said to Father Judge, what do I say to the family? And he said, well, you, first of all, say you're sorry and hug him and tell them what a hero he was. He said, you don't realize the most important thing to them is that the mayor of New York City has walked into their house. You don't know who you are. You think you're Rudy Giuliani, the same old Rudy Giuliani. This family, they've been working for the city for 100 years. No mayor's ever walked in their house in Queens. Even though their son died, they're going to be extraordinarily honored that the mayor has come there. And if you can just use that to bring their spirits up a little, get them to lift their eyes up from the tragedy, they'll start thinking about the future a little and... You know, star, it's not going to end it. It's not going to 
And then you can talk to them about all the practical things, the pension that's available and the things that, you know, some get on the practice. But the mo- he said, if you did nothing else but just walked in there and say, your son was a hero, the city of New York is so proud of him, and hug them, you did your job. You know, Mr. Mayor, it's so, uh, that's, that's just so powerful to hear what the late Michael Judge told you. It's something that I know, you know, my father knows that too. The, well, your dad the value, knows it a hundred percent. Yeah, sure. the, the value of being there. And, uh, so Mr. Mayor, what is it like in East Palestine? What do you, what are you seeing? I mean, there's so well, much to talk about. What is it like? It's pretty, I mean, this is, these are people that are within 10 miles. So they're all, uh, and they work there, go back and forth there. Uh, first of all, their reaction to the president was overwhelming. I think right now we'd get 100% of the vote. <laughs> you Can you shit. smell anything? I cannot. They told me, they told me I'm on the wrong side. I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the, uh, east side. If, if I go, if I drive to the west side, which I'll do later, I'll be able to get the odor because it's going down river. And, but on this side of town, you don't get the odor. At the, on the other side of town, you do. And they told me that it was a, um, uh, uh, it was a, I mean, the first couple of days were ho- horrible. And they did tell me because of Biden and because of Buttigieg and because they expected a big, like a sort of like what we've been, a national reaction of some sort. The fact that they were ignored made it twice as worse. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it, when, when a president or a secretary comes, it sends so many signals. And actually, I learned this from somebody in a very, um, high position of authority. When you visit somebody in the hospital, yes. and it, it sends the message to the doctors, to the nurses, to a lot of people, like, this is, this is important. All right. And it just puts everybody on their toes in a good way. In a good way. Hey, did you fly there with the president? No, no. I drove, came all the way from Florida. I was thinking of going down to Florida and getting in the plane. And then I thought, what the heck? We'll just get up real early and we'll drive here. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, and, and, and then tomorrow I've got a day of meetings with him and I'll do my show from here tomorrow, maybe put the mayor on, uh, who's been really outstanding. I love the way you described him, you know. He's, he's not, uh, he's not, uh, maybe he's not Mayor Adams, but he's sure a real person. <laughs> hey, listen, I, you know, the stuff, I don't know if you saw that crazy, kooky, Art student, grand juror, four person in Atlanta come forward and say all kinds of nonsense, just weird stuff about the proceedings there in Georgia. Let me just, number one, did you see that girl? Yeah, and I'm involved in that, you know. I know, I know, that's why. Well, let me just, let me just start it this way. Well, I, for everybody who hasn't heard, let me just give you an example of what <laughs> we're dealing with here. Cut 49, please. Cut 49. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. So it sounds like that was ultimately <laughs> a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how it ended up. Was that and I'd be fascinated by what he said, but do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking or just the same kind of thing we've heard? I don't know. It's all very so giggly and silly. What, what, do you, what do you think, Mr. Mayor? I remember her. She swore me in 
And I think I took a picture with, I, think I never took a picture with a uh, grand jury f- uh, four person before. I think I took a picture with her. Actually, I remember you said that on the news <laughs> that they were nice to you and that, they were that, very, that right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it means that they were very nice to me. One, one guy during the break came out and he said, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job, kid. Keep going. Keep going, kid. My God, I'm 78 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. The way I see it, quite frankly, nobody has any le- real legal exposure here. I heard the call that Trump made, and I'm sorry, if you're a candidate, whether you're for president or for dog catcher, and they say you lose, they say you lose, you're allowed to call election officials and bitch and moan and say whatever the hell you want. And I don't think Trump said anything that is remotely illegal. I mean, illegal speech? He's allowed. He's allowed to vent. He's allowed to pressure. He's allowed to say stuff. He's allowed to have opinions. He's an American, right? It's like not being able to argue with the umpire. <laughs> They're trying to make a federal case out of arguing with the umpire. So are you, I mean, are you losing sleep? And there are everyone- no, no, I'm not. I'm not losing sleep over it. I, 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 the only thing that ever worries me with these things is that you get an unfair or uh, like, like they're doing in the District of Columbia, like those judges are to the January 6th people. I mean, they're... Um, they're not getting legal decisions. You know, usually having been a lawyer all these years, I can pretty much tell you the jeopardy you face, rational, right? So there is no rational jeopardy here. Nobody committed a crime. They can't even ima- They don't even know what to call it as a crime. They don't have a crime they can name under the statutes. So normally you would be pretty good, but, you know, you never know with these crazy people. Look, look, I mean, the January 6th thing is probably... The closest we have become to a fascist government and what they've done to those people, some of whom maybe deserved it. I don't think any of them deserved as much as they got. I think some of them deserve punishment, but they sure as heck didn't deserve being held for two years in a, in a rotten conditions of confinement and 10-year prison sentences. You know, ultimately, I think this is what is going to happen in history. It's a, and I know you know a lot about uh, theology, and even though he wasn't a theologian, there was this guy named Copernicus yes. long time ago who uh, figured out that the uh, Earth revolved around the sun, not the other way around. And uh, they wanted to put him in the dungeon. In fact, they did put him in the dungeon, and they tortured him, and they ultimately killed him. Why? Because he said the sun was the center of the solar system. And then he pointed out that there are a lot of other stars out there, and they could care less about Earth. Uh, they were so threatened by that. Galileo proved it a couple of hundred years later. They threw him in jail. I just feel like does that give you solace? I really feel like you're on solid ground on all of this stuff. I know and, I am. I know I am. And you're going to be vindicated. Do you or Do you have confidence that you will be? I do. I do feel. I do. And I don't think it'll take 100 years, thank God. But I, I do think we'll be vindicated. I think we are being vindicated. You know, I think we're being vindicated much more than people even realize because it gets reported, you know, in these places that never get picked up. But a report will get done in in in, uh, in Wisconsin, and it'll show that a whole a whole area uh, there was heavy fraud, and they found the people who testified about it. And I mean, you're getting a tremendous amount of. And then on the whole Hunter Biden thing, my goodness, I mean, uh, if anything, a lot more crimes are coming out than I ever got a chance to reveal. I've been vindicated on the ones I pointed out, and there are, you know there are 50 more. 
So, yeah, I do feel we've been vindicated. The president wants to do a chart. He wants to do a chart where they lied and we told the truth. Now, when these when these reports get issued, though, you know, here's the disadvantage that we're at in the conservative world. I mean, even we rely on mainstream media. They've got the resources. They've got the reach. You know, everybody's making a big deal about these Fox anchors saying, oh, wait, you know, I don't believe that Trump won. And I, I they're all relying on the mainstream media to do a lot of their reporting. Yeah, they're relying on that infrastructure. And when conservatives, uh, you know, we only have only so many of us out there in positions of the media. It's hard for us to move the needle. They're so dominant, the dominant media. And that's what that's what worries me. And well, that, it should. I mean, it worries me, too, except for the fact, you know, for every, it's like for every two, they move at five. But, but we're catching them. I mean, like, I was really surprised um, in 2020 that even with, the, even with all of the uh, uh, censorship, we got it to about 50% of the American people. Yeah. Uh, now it's way beyond 50%. And when you do a poll, I mean, do you think... There was cheating in the election. It's now way over 50%. And we're pretty close to 50% that he was cheated out of it. Somehow the American people are getting it, even with all the, even with, and they, uh, they're way beyond 50% on whether he, he was getting money and was involved with Hunter. All right, so we're okay in Atlanta. What about, you know, I just saw Michael Cohen come out of the, uh, DA's office, and he's like, they're asking all the white questions, and this is going to go uh, very much in the way it's supposed to go. Uh, I think this is the Stormy Daniels nonsense. It's yeah. not a case. It's obviously, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, it's so petty. Five years later, six years later, they're still screwing around with it. Is this something they're going to, like, is this something they're going to indict people for? They should not. They have an impossible witness to put on the witness stand, Cohen has lied so much that the uh, cross-examination would take, you know, five times longer than the direct examination. It's the reason the Southern District threw him out. You know, they were the ones that originally made the deal with him and then started questioning him. And since it involved my case a bit, too, I, I know a little about it. And he just kept lying to them. But the kind of lies that are, like, completely demonstrable like uh, I never asked for a job of Trump and then there's a tape the day after the election with Chris Cuomo and he says I want to be I want to be chief of staff so you have him one place on video saying I never asked for a job and the next place you have him under oath saying he asked for a job I mean there are about 20 of those like that where he just completely absolutely lies so once you do that to a witness, he becomes useless at a trial. Now, whether that bothers a guy like Bragg, well, I don't know if he's even a lawyer, whatever the hell he is. It, it would bother the U.S. Attorney's Office. Even if they were anti-Trump, they're still good lawyers. You know, the other day, uh, I happened to see a copy of New York Times Magazine from 1983 or 85. You're on the cover. You're U.S. Attorney. The entire country is talking about you. This is after you served, I think, as the number three official in the Justice Department. I say all this for everybody to understand. President like, Reagan. Right. What a prosecutor's prosecutor. You were the very, very pinnacle. 
one of the top in history, and you know the law, you know what you're doing. And a lot of these guys, with their Harvard degrees and their pedigree, they all worked for you. They were, and they admired you. These and these guys were good people when they were working for you. I want to find those guys today. I mean, I I want more Alan Dershowitzes to come out. People of that stature, who they may hate Trump on some level, but they gotta they gotta come out and say they what's do. happening is wrong. They do. I'm surprised there aren't there. There I am surprised that there aren't more, because one thing that I always respected about liberals, even when you know we would have arguments, etc., was the principle that they had. That you had a right to your opinion, even if they despised it, hated it, and thought it was stupid. And they'd come into court and defend you uh, for it. None of them have come in to defend me in the Bar Association thing. I mean, the one in New York, I'm being, I'm being prosecuted for the statements I made, not in court, but publicly. There they have no right to do anything to me any more than they do you. It's my right of free speech. I, I have a right to say on the street corner whatever the hell I want to say. Yes. And they went ahead. They went ahead without a hearing. Basically, based it on the New York Times and suspended me. You would think. I thought when it happened, a whole bunch of lawyers were going to come out and say, even ones on the other side, you just can't do this to a lawyer. This isn't right. A lawyer is entitled to have opinions, and there are even Supreme Court decisions that say, believe it or not, lawyers get a little more leeway because they have to in essence, exaggerate somewhat in favor of their clients in order to get the point across. Right. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know, I thought this, I've learned so much over the past couple of years. Uh, the, the world, I thought it was on the level, and there's so much corruption, yeah. and it's such a shame. Hey, listen, um, uh, stay safe. I, hey, don't drink the water. All right, don't 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 make a thing. You, I heard a scientist the other day. They're not drinking the water. Don't make a scene. All right, don't you don't okay, know any. All right, deal. All right. Yeah. Hey, Greg, the book is terrific. Oh, thank you, Mister Mayor. A time and a half. We got it. We got I got to get you on again. Uh, the podcast or my show. We got. We got. I got a bunch of questions about it. Uh, would great love to. job. Great job. Great observations. Thank very, you. Very. Very necessary right now. Thank you, sir. He's talking about uh, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available on audio as well as uh, in book form and Kindle. Thank you, sir. We'll talk soon, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, it's really not going to snow? Is it not going to snow? I saw like a couple of flakes, uh, but it didn't stick because the ground was wet. I hear about a wintry mix coming, but that means it's not going to accumulate. This will be the first winter, I think, ever that I can recall in my lifetime where there was no snow, not enough snow to build a snowman. Well, um, I don't think it's global. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Who knows? Um, hey, just one real quick. I want to play this. Who has more conviction here, huh? You got Joe Biden. I I put him back to back. The very first day they entered politics, Joe Biden in 1971, when he declared, and um, Donald Trump in 2015, when he declared. All right. Who's got more of a vision? Who's who's more passionate? Who actually wants to do something? Back to back. Cut 44. I'm Joe Biden, and I'm a candidate for the United States Senate. 
politicians have done such a job on the people that the people don't believe them anymore. And I'd like a shot at changing that. I would repeal and replace the big lie Obamacare. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Mark my words. Nobody would be tougher on ISIS than Donald Trump. Nobody. I will find the right guy. I will find the guy that's going to take that military and make it really work. Nobody, nobody will be pushing us around. Wow. Joe Biden wanted a shot at being a big shot, and Donald Trump wanted to do something. Joe Biden wanted to be something, and Donald Trump wanted to do something as president. Barbara, sorry, we're so short on time. Hi there. Hi. Hi, Greg. Hey, I'm listening to you and, and Mayor Giuliani, wondering where the, the, where the real lawyers of today are, those who will defend constitutional rights. And a friend of mine who is a lawyer and teaches the Constitution constantly says, in law schools, they do not teach the Constitution. Many of these lawyers have never read the Constitution. They teach case law. So you're not going to get true legal processes by people who aren't aware and understand the Constitution. Add to that the fact that in this country now, only 16% of the youth are proud to be American. Now you put these young people through law school, what are they going to come out favoring? They're not going to favor our Constitution. They're not going to favor your freedom of speech. So that, for example, when DirecTV does what they're doing now, censors Newsmax and other conservative voices, this is so harmful to everyone, especially to those people who haven't been educated in the truth of our founding. Hey, folks, you know what? We should all read the Constitution. It's actually easy to understand. Great points as usual, Barbara. Hey, keep your fingers crossed about DirecTV. Anything can happen. I'll see you tomorrow.